inviting people to church today. And he said, well, don't come up here. I'm, I'm smoking. I said, oh, here, let me at least give you this flyer before we go. And I went up and I gave him the flyer and he's just sitting there. And I said, would you have a few moments to do a survey with us? He said, yes. And I did my survey. There's four questions. Do you believe in God? Do you believe you can have a relationship with God? Do you believe in heaven? The last question, if you die tonight, are you 100% sure you'd make it to heaven? He said, yes, I believe in God. Yes, I believe I can have a relationship with God. Yes, I believe in heaven. And when I said, do you believe if you died tonight, are you 100% sure you'd make it to heaven? And his shoulders slumped down, and he said, no, no, I wouldn't. And I said, why is that? He said, because I'm a backslidden apostolic Pentecostal. He said, I've been out of church since 1984. He says, I don't know how you guys found me sitting here. You know what I told him? I said, you know, I said, I was afraid to knock doors. I was afraid to get out of here. I was doing a lot of social media stuff. I said, but I believe the Lord sent us to you today. We were able to take him to breakfast. We were able to stay in contact with him with Bible studies, texting him. His, his daughter, we're connected with his daughter and his wife. I just want to tell you today that the treasure, that was Brother Parker's message. The treasure is in the field. Amen. We've got to get out of church and we've got to go win souls. We've got to get the ministry out of the four walls of 1418 West Columbus and go to the apartments. Don't just go to the poorest places, but we're going to nice neighborhoods. And we've got 30 families signed up. After knocking 505 doors, we've got 30 families we're in contact with. We're doing home Bible studies. We're praying with people. There's people with cancer that know what's happening. There's people that are struggling and going through the hardest time of their life that know that there's a church praying for them in Southwest Bakersfield. It's time to get out of our comfort zone and to get a spirit of boldness because the devil has a tight grip on our city. But Satan, your kingdom is coming down one door at a time, one drive through at a time, handing a business card to somebody from the church. I just want to convince you tonight, it's time to go win a soul in 2023. The world is lost. We've got to save them. Oh, come on. Let's pray right now. Lord Jesus. Oh, encourage the church to be an evangelistic church. Encourage the church. You shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses. Oh, not singers, not preachers, not evangelists. Witnesses. 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 Have you witnessed the glory and the goodness of God? God bless you. you may be seated. We now turn your attention to the main segment of our programming tonight, Genesis chapter 7. So we were out, soul winning, I don't know which time it was, but it's the same story about the Vivint guys, and uh, talking, we're literally talking to everybody, but there's a lot of solar people going door to door doing the Vivint thing, and solar, and we're talking to a guy, I think his name was Justin, he was from Utah, so Utah, what they do, they kind of get a feel for different areas, they send salesmen down, and then the summer, it's called summer month program, I believe it's high school kids, high school kids on summer break, it's like a job training kind of thing, they put like 200 high schoolers just going door to door, but what he told us was this, he said there's one person that's just going door to door to door to door to door, that's all they do, and there's somebody else that's waiting in the car, and he said the person that's waiting in the car is the closer, closer. The person knocking doors is just waiting for somebody to be interested. As soon as he finds somebody that is interested in getting the solar, sends a quick text, hey, I've got somebody right around the corner. They'll be right here. He comes in with the paperwork. He's talking fast and probably skipping over stuff or whatever he's doing. He's a salesman, but he's getting them to close the deal. And that is his job is to close the sale. And I remember when I was selling mattresses for about a year and a half before COVID, I remember what that was like because people would come in to the mattress store and they weren't always actually interested in making a purchase. Sometimes they were competitors. Sometimes, I'm not going to say what they were, but they were hard to deal with. And it was, it was bad, sometimes. But there were some people 
that just came in and they, they would do goofy stuff. They would like, like let's say this was a mattress right here, the speaker. They just like put their knee in it and just keep putting their knee in it. And I say, so, so what are you doing? They said, oh, I'm just, I'm just checking out. I said, do you sleep like that? Just putting one knee on the corner of the bed? Well, no, I just don't. And then, and then sometimes they just ask weird questions like, well, well what, what is this made of? And what's this? And what's that? And what's the spring count? And all this stuff. And I just lay on it and tell me if you like it and we'll go from there. Right? But there was people that just come in, uh, window shopping, tire kicking, whatever you want to call it. Sometimes they would talk about the color because we had some cool ones that were like gray or dark gray or white. And they say, well, I like this one in white, but, you know, it'd be a lot nicer in gray. And I said, well, do you wear sheets on your bed or do you just sleep on the mattress with nothing on it? Right, but, but it was just dealing with the questions because somebody really wasn't interested in making a purchase. They were just, the most famous words, looking around. I'm just looking around. Just want to check on some prices. I give you that little personal story tonight because I want to ask you a question here during this service. Why have you come into this place tonight? Let me ask you a question. Are you just here because there's food after service? Are you just here because your family invited you? Are you just here because you didn't have anything better to do? Are you here to support the school? Are you here for all these other reasons? Are you here because you love the music? Are you here because you, know, you live close by? Or are you here because you're interested in giving your life to God? Are you here just to waste time, just to find something to do, or are you here because you're tired of the way you've been living? You're tired of sin. You're tired of addiction. You're tired of the struggle. You're tired of the pain. You're tired of the hopelessness. You're tired of going through the storm and not having any relief. Are you here because your life is broken? Are you here because you need salvation? Are you here because something's got to change before I walk out tonight? Are you here to do something different with your life? Hey, I just want to ask you tonight. Are you here because you came to give your life to God? Oh, but I've got some good news for you, old friend of mine. Ephesians 2 and 8 says, For by grace you are saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It is the gift of God. Tonight, we're not selling you a product. We're not offering you any services. But Jesus has already paid the price for your salvation. It's a free gift. You just got to reach out and grab it. Jesus wants to save you. Jesus wants to save you. Jesus wants to save you you and he's already paid the price you can be seated whether you're here in person or maybe you're somebody watching us online tonight maybe you've been testing out the church maybe you're you're looking at every church in town and this is just another church you've been watching their services on Facebook or YouTube I, let me just tell you tonight that God has been speaking to you and you know it God has been dealing with you everything you've been going through lately has been working on your heart and it's been drawing you closer to the presence of God and today God wants to know are you ready to close the deal are are you ready to make a commitment? Are you ready to give your life to God and say, I'm not turning back. I'm drawing the line. I'm making a decision and I'm going all the way with Jesus. I'm going to make it all the way to heaven. Thinking about closing the deal, I'm reminded of Mark chapter 10, 17 through 22. And when Jesus was gone forth into the way, there came one running and kneeled to him and asked him, Good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one that is God. 
says, Thou knowest the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, defraud not, honor thy father and mother. And he answered unto him and said, Master, all these I have observed from my youth. Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him and said unto him, One thing thou lackest, go thy way, so whatsoever thy hath, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come take up your cross and follow me. And he was sad at that saying, and went away grieved, for he had great possessions. Someone's coming up to Jesus with the opportunity of a lifetime. Talking about future generations, stories being rewritten. Talking about sin being forgiven. We're talking about establishing yourself in the faith. We're talking about more than just a job promotion or a good opportunity somewhere with business, but it's literally the opportunity to follow after the Lord Jesus Christ. And when he comes to him, says Jesus loved him, but he said, one thing thou lackest. God loves us enough to let us know when there needs to be a change in our life. I don't want to be comfortable and lost I don't want to preach to you tonight something that's so encouraging and so heartwarming and so welcoming that you don't know what it means to repent of your sins, that you don't know what it means to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, that you don't know what it means to be filled with the Holy Ghost. There's a lot of churches out there right now that are just trying to be cool. I don't want to be cool. I want to do what Jesus said to do, which is to obey the gospel, amen, to be born again of the water and of the Spirit. Without being born again of the water and the Spirit, it says that no man shall see the kingdom of God. Beholding him, he loved him. And because of his love for him, he instructed him. You know, something better than that I like is when he told him, he said, I want you to go sell everything you have. You say, oh, that just sounds like the church. They just want some money. But you know what Jesus said? After you sell everything you have, all that money, go give it to the poor because I don't want it. Because there's some things in your heart that you think you can offer God because you think that you can impress God because you think you can buy your way into this. I don't want the things you have. I want your heart. I want your commitment. Oh, come on. I want your time. God wants to have a relationship with you. Oh, I know people that are faithful in giving, but they don't know the God that they're giving to. I want to tell you tonight, more than anything else, give Jesus your heart. He died for you to be saved. Surrender to him and give him everything you have. But what did he do? It says he turned away greed for he had great possessions. He's looking at the options here. There's a deal that Jesus is ready to close. And can you imagine the disciples at this time? I would have been mad if I was a disciple. They're going city to city. They're on foot all the time. They're like, man, this guy could give us a million dollars. We'll all be driving the new, uh, I don't know, the, the, the i eight. Uh, camel wagon or something like that. You know, we could have got an upgrade on our transportation, Jesus. We could have got an upgrade on our clothing. I mean, my kids, you know, they've been following us. I could get them the, the, the whatever they needed at that time. I don't know what would have been fashionable, the, the nice clothes of their day. But, hey, we could upgrade our kids. We could do this. We could do that with this money. But Jesus says, no, it's not about what you can give me materialistically if you're not giving me your heart. I want your full commitment. Jesus wants your full commitment. You know, sometimes how we treat Jesus the other day I got uh, a, a, like a screwdriver or something flipped up into the road and I ran over it with my tire. And I ran over with my tire and you know what I started doing? Oh, where's my AAA card? I called my wife. Hey, where's my insurance card? Where's my insurance card? Oh, it's all right there in the glove box. Okay. So I pull it out. I get the number and I call them and tell them, hey, there's been an emergency. I, I drove over this thing. Can you get a tow truck over here to come get me? You know, sometimes that's how we treat God. We just put God in the glove box of our life and we only call upon him when there's an emergency. 
we only call upon him when we don't got any money to pay our bills and we show up to church uh, with a sad look on our face or, you know, our, our life is broken and we come to church and pray through and get a good little touch of God. But as soon as that gets smoothed over, as soon as you get my tire fixed, AAA, I'm not going to call you until it happens again. There's some people that treat God like that. God, I'll call you when I'm broken, but that's the only time I need you. Tonight, I want Jesus in the morning, Jesus in the noontime, Jesus in the evening. Oh, come on. When I think of the goodness of Jesus and all he's done for me, when I think of the goodness of Jesus and how he set me free, I could dance, 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 dance all night. Not just when I'm sad, not just when I'm broken, but the goodness of God is so great that I worship him every day of the week. Oh, I just want to tell you, live for God with all your heart. Don't just show up on Sunday and go back to who you were on Monday, but give him every day of the week. Oh, come on, somebody. Get free. Get free. Get free. Jesus wants to break the chains. Ooh, I feel good in the house of God tonight. The joy of the Lord is my strength. The Lord is my shepherd. Oh, come on. He maketh me to lie down in the still waters. I love him. I love him. I love him. I love him tonight. He is the Lord of my life. He's not just the little paper in the glove box I reach out to when I'm in trouble. Oh, but when I'm blessed, I serve the Lord. When I'm doing good up on the mountain, I'm serving God. And I'm in the valley, I'm serving God. And in the altar, I'm doing the same dance no matter where I'm at because God is good no matter what. I don't come to church. You know, some people come to church and it's like they've got to get a warm-up or something. They kind of start slow and then service gets going. It's because you haven't been living in that all week. But when you've been living in the presence of God all week, you step into the service and it's just going from one place to the next. But it's the same activity. I'm serving God. I'm worshiping God on Monday. On Tuesday, I'll be back to worship God for service. Oh, every service I'm here is just a continuation of what I'm already doing at home. Because I love the Lord every day of my life. Okay, sit down. This is taking a detour. Closing the deal. What is it that you're holding on to tonight? What is it that you're afraid to let go of? Well, can't pray for healing because if I get healed, I'm going to get off my disability and that's going to mess everything up. Well, if I, if I get into church too good, this girl I really like, she's going to break up with me. She already told me we're crazy. So if I get into church, that's going to mess that up. So you know what? No, I'm not fully going to commit. I'm just going to come enough to get what I, I need, but then I'm going to just keep holding on to what I'm doing on the outside. There's a lot of people, but you know what the problem is with that? You never get full victory. You never get complete deliverance. The Bible says that he whom the Son has set free is free indeed. That means freed completely. That means no more shackles, no more chains, no more bondage, completely free. There's nothing like being completely free. I wonder right now, raise your hand if you know what I'm talking about. Lord, he set me free. He set me free. He broke the bonds of prison for me. I'm glory bound, my Jesus to see. Oh, glory to God, he set me free. Come to the music. I'm almost finished. I'm having too much fun up here tonight. He can set you free tonight. He can break the chains. You're holding on to something you think you need so bad, but God will replace that with what you really need. 
Come on, that relationship you think that is so important, God will give you a better one. That drug you're addicted to to try to find peace and escape from reality, God will give you something greater than that to escape from reality. And you won't lose your job. You won't lose your kids. You won't lose your house. You'll actually get a better job. You'll actually get a better house. And God will bless you and open up the windows of heaven. Oh, come on, somebody. God can do a great work tonight and set you free. Closing the deal, closing the deal, closing the deal. But you know what he said? When you give that up, you're going to have treasure in heaven. Jesus said, what would it profit a man if he gained the whole world but loses his soul? Well, I could make it to church more, but, you know, my job right now is really important, so I can't be there on Sundays. i got to go do this, this, and this. And Tuesdays I can't really be there, and, you know, I just really can't be involved because i got too many other commitments. At the end of your life... When you stand before the Lord Jesus, he's not going to ask you how much you made from this year to this year. You know, what kind of retirement account you have, what kind of properties you have, you know, what kind of credit score you have. No, he's going to say, did you live for me with all your heart? Did you repent of your sins? Were you baptized in my name? Were you filled with the Holy Ghost? I'm talking about closing the deal tonight. Are you ready to give your life to God? Are you tired of the way you've been living? Are you tired of the sleepless nights? Are you tired of the anxiety and the fear that you've been living in lately? God has the answer for you tonight. I'm in the book of Ruth, chapter 1. I'm almost finished. Ruth, chapter 1, verse 12. I'll give you the background of this story. Um, so there's a family, Naomi, her husband, their two sons, and they move. They move from Judah to Moab. Okay? Judah was the place where they worshiped the one true living God. Moab was the place where they worshiped all the host of heaven and the false gods and idolatry and all that kind of stuff. But when they got there, it says there was a great famine in that land. This is all in Ruth, chapter 1. Uh, there was a great famine in that land. The two sons died. Then the husband dies, or however, which order that was, but they're all dead by the end of it all. And then it's just a mother-in-law walking with her two daughter-in-laws. Okay, the mother-in-law came from Judah. The two daughter-in-laws came from Moab. The two daughter-in-laws did not know what it meant to live in Judah. They did not know what it meant to worship the one true living God. They did not know. All they knew was the idolatry. All they knew was the, the human sacrifices. They knew the, the gods of the, the host of heaven and all that kind of stuff. And they get to a crossroads because they want to follow their mother. But there's a point where they've got to close the deal. They've got to make that decision that they're going to go all the way. They're at the crossroads between Judah and Moab. And I believe that tonight somebody here is at the crossroads. You're not in the crossroads between Judah and Moab. You're in the crossroads between salvation and going back to living the same old life you've always lived. God doing something new. God giving you a new beginning. God giving you a new hope. God bringing you peace. Oh, God restoring to you the years that you gave to other things that didn't matter. I just want to preach to somebody tonight. You may be at the crossroads tonight. God is pulling on your heart. So in Ruth chapter 1 verse 12, this is Naomi. She's talking to these two daughter-in-laws that were from Moab, okay? It says, turn again, my daughters. Go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope... And if I should also have a husband tonight would, and should also bear sons, would you tarry for them till they were grown? Would you stay for them from having husbands? Name my daughters, for it grieveth me much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. She's kind of being sarcastic, I believe, but she's basically saying, look, I have nothing else to offer you. I have nothing to give you. I'm a widow. I've lost my husband. I've lost my sons. I've lost everything I had in this little trip of moving to Moab. I'm going back to where I'm from. I'm going back to the land where this says that they heard that there was bread in the land of Judah. I'm going back. And she looks at them and says, I have nothing to offer you. There's no reason to follow me. Let's go on. Verse 14, and they lifted up their voice and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clave unto her. So one of them goes back, and she's going down the road and says, okay, I'll see you guys later. I'm on my way back to Moab. And that leaves Naomi standing with the other uh, daughter-in-law named Ruth. And they're both looking at Orpah walking away. 
And she said, Behold, thy sister-in-law has gone back unto her people and unto her gods. Return thou after thy sister-in-law. And Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee or to return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go. Where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God my God. Where thou diest, I will die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if aught but death part thee and me. And when she saw that she was steadfastly minded to go with her, then she left speaking unto her. Ruth said, you know what? I've been to Moab. I've seen everything there is out there. I've met everybody there is to meet out there. I've been with the rich and the famous. I've been with the poor and the lowly. I've seen everything Moab has to offer. And she looks at her mother-in-law and says, Orpah can go back, but I'm never going back to Moab because I want a new life. I want a new hope. She says, even if I die, I'm willing to die with you. And I don't know your God, but he's got to be better than the gods that have never answered any prayers, the gods that have never stepped into my situations. I want to preach to somebody tonight. It's time. You're standing at the crossroads to say, I'm never going back to Moab. Come on, let's pray for just a few moments. The Lord is dealing with somebody's heart tonight and just telling you, I've been trying to get your attention for a long time. I've sent some stuff to you to try to get your attention. Sometimes we think in the story of Jonah that the whale was sent to kill Jonah, but you know that the whale saved Jonah? There's some stuff in our life that God brought into our life uh, that may have sent like it was so bad and so destructive. But God said, I had to do what I had to do to get your attention. Because above everything else, you must be saved. Oh, come on. Let's just pray for a few moments. Lord, tonight I believe that God is speaking to somebody's heart. Oh, Lord, that you're going to set somebody free. Oh, come on. Let's pray just for a moment. I'm almost finished. Let's pray for just a moment. Are you ready to close the deal? You ready to make that commitment to God and say, God, I'm never looking back. I'll give you my all. I believe it was last week. Last week I had a meeting with Brother Bradford and he called me the night before. He said, hey, I know we've got this meeting tomorrow, but um, looks like it's going to be the last moments for Brother Casey. Would you mind going down there with me? We need to go visit the family and pray with them. I said, okay. So we went down and uh, spent a little bit of time with Brother Casey, prayed with him, spent time with Brother CJ and his wife, and, uh, and it was good. And I, and I was, I was looking, with, looking at him. That's when this message really started coming into my mind. And in, in Genesis chapter 7, at the end of that, it says, and God commanded him, and the Lord shut him in. It was funny. I was talking to that Vivint guy, going back to the beginning of the message. I was talking to that Vivint guy, and he was telling me about the whole door-to-door guy and then the closer and then I was telling him what we do going door-to-door and I said but we don't have a closer I said if anything God's our closer he's the one that'll close the deal um and 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 we were there we spent I don't know an hour two hours maybe there and then we were leaving and then Bishop Frost was going to be the last person uh before they started you know going that direction with things making that decision and uh, Bishop Frost was there and I remember I texted by the CJ the next day and I said hey bro I'm praying for you hope you guys are doing well he said, thank you. And then I said, you know, did Bishop Frost make it? And he said, yes. I said, that's awesome. I'm glad he was able to be there. And then he texts back and he said, Bishop Frost stayed from 2 p.m. all the way until 1.43 in the morning, I believe it was, maybe 12.43 in the morning, and spent those last moments with Brother Casey. And, and he just said how much it meant to him because it just showed what Brother Casey meant to this church and what he meant to all of us and what he meant to his pastor and his bishop that they would go down there and just spend that time with him in his last moments. We can all stand. I'm almost finished. And as I thought of that, I realized something. 
Every one of us is going to face that moment. You ever seen an hourglass? You probably already know what it is, but if you don't, it's two chambers. There's an upper chamber and a lower chamber, and there's all this sand at the top. And the sand at the top is coming down to the bottom chamber, one piece of sand at a time. And you don't know how much sand is in there. You don't know exactly. It's supposed to be an hour. But tonight, with our lives, we're kind of like an hourglass. There's so much time available to us now, and there's so much time that has already gone past. And once it's gone past, we'll never get it back. And there's going to be a moment when the, when the little grains of sand go from 15 down to 10 down to nine, down to eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. That's it. And in life, there's so many things we want to achieve. I'd like a bigger house. I'd like a pool in the backyard. I'd like a summer vacation home. I'd like to take my kids to, you know, the Washington, D.C. and the East Coast. And I'd like to travel the world and see the, the seven continents and all this kind of stuff. But you know, ultimately, what life comes down to are those moments with Bishop Frost spending with Brother Casey. Those last moments... Because after that point, there's no more chance to get things right with God. There's coming, there's coming a time in your life and there's coming a time in my life when this heart that's beating just fine right now, it's going to beat its last time. And these eyes that are able to see everything going on, they're not going to be able to see anymore. And these ears that are able to hear who's talking to me, they're not going to be able to hear anymore. And everything is going to come to an end. And at that point, I'm going to stand before God. And thank God for Brother C.J. Casey's father, Carl Casey, who lived for God. Because this is not a sad story, but this is a story of a man who made things right with God. And in those last moments, he went from one place on earth to a better place in heaven. I'm talking about closing the deal. The Bible says that after Noah... After Noah went into the ark, God gave Noah all the instructions for the ark. You need to build the ark, put the animals in the ark, take your family in the ark. But once he got everything right that God told him to do, it was God's job to shut the door. And I don't know when God is going to shut the door on your life. And I don't know when God is going to shut the door on my life. But I want to tell you tonight, I'm not taking any chances with my soul. I'm going to give myself to God. Tonight, God, I'm going to close the deal. There's no turning back. Above everything else, God, I must be saved. I want to read to you tonight in conclusion. This is it. Conclusion. Revelation chapter 20, verses 14 and 15. It says, In death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Then Revelation chapter 21, verse 8, it says, But the fearful and the unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone. This is the second death. I'm going to ask you that same question tonight that I asked Craig sitting out front of his porch. If you died tonight, if that, last, if that last grain of sand fell from the upper chamber to the lower chamber of your life and it was over and you had to face eternity tonight, are you 100% sure that you would make it to heaven? Are you 100% sure tonight that you would stand before God and you knew that you obeyed the gospel, that you knew that you gave your life to Him, for Brother Carl Casey, what a testimony of somebody that made things right with God. That's how you close the deal, with a commitment to God, giving God your life, being a testimony of the goodness of God. Tonight, I wonder if there's somebody that would step out from the pew with your hands up and say, God, I must be saved. Come on, somebody. Is there somebody that would step out of the pew with your hands lifted up? Say, God, I must be saved. I'm closing the deal. I'm making my decision. There's no turning back. I'm going all the way. Have you been standing on the fence? You're standing at the crossroads. Come on, somebody. Get things right with God before this night is over. Come on, somebody. What are you struggling with? 
come on if there's something going on in secret deal with it tonight while you still have time before the last grain of sand falls give Jesus your heart come on that's a young lady Jesus loves you Jesus paid the price for you it's time for somebody to close the deal come on are you ready to stand before Jesus